You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. We're talking about the penultimate episode of season two of Killjoys, Johnny Be Good. While we will talk about anything and everything from the episode, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. Let's get started with our quick reviews. I was really, really engaged with this episode. I had several moments where I realized I had leaned forward in my chair and I was like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Because I was worried or just having a lot of fun or just engrossed by what was happening. So I, I, I found the episode a good quality episode, very enjoyable on many levels, but I was very disappointed with the choice to kill Potter, even though I think a lot of us saw it coming. So it, it wasn't exactly a surprise. How about you, Chris? I liked a lot of this episode, but I hated, hated part of it. And I don't use that word lightly. I hated part of it. (laughs) Again, the part that Stephanie just mentioned. Sadly, I think that one part of the episode has, in my mind, overshadowed the other aspects of the episode. And so I just, I'm overall left sad and frustrated with the whole thing, even though I don't want to be. (laughs) However, that said... I really love that Dutch and Johnny got a chance to talk about things and that Johnny reaffirmed his dedication to Dutch. And you could see how much that meant to her. Because as we've said innumerable times, that relationship is really the soul of this show. Also, I did think this episode was a really solid setup for a potentially interesting finale. So what do you think, Annie? Um, Like you guys, I, I thought it was a great, really intense episode. Uh, that drew me in because of the strength of, you know, those wonderful character moments and the acting was just off the, you know, off the hook. (laughs) The acting was off the hook. I knew I was going to use whatever metaphor I had in mind wrong. (laughs) And Potter's decision about the wall, because it's hard because I'm on West Coast. So I'm seeing all these hints of what's going on on the East Coast feed on my Twitter. And I'm like, don't check Twitter. I know, (laughs) I know, but I was at work. But So her decision about the wall, while, of course, from a logical Spock point of view, it can be understood, uh, it was really hard and really awful to watch. But really good acting in that scene. And the major Johnny and Dutch BFF feels, I mean, I think that scene, that really brought me to tears. It's the first time that's happened watching this show. And like you guys and a lot of people, even though I suspected Potter's demise, I still hated that it happened and I was shocked at the actual moment that it happened i still said oh profanity bleep 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 so you show for making me care so much but i really love the moments of humor sprinkled throughout this episode davin had a lot of good lines so it helped lighten what was otherwise a very serious grim episode so i appreciated those bits and what I do continue to appreciate about Killjoys is, as well, I felt like there's been several moments this season that I thought kind of felt a little by the numbers. I like that it continues not to make things overly simplified in regards to the emotional and character dynamics, because I loved how there was so much talking about serious stuff in this episode, but I liked how it wasn't clear who was right and who was wrong. It was just people had different perspectives and they were all trying to just express what they were feeling. Was I the only one who kind of enjoyed that? <laughs> no, I like that too. But I mean, again, that that one thing is just sort of like hanging over this episode for me. And I just, ah, I'm going to try not to be too much of a downer this episode. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, but yeah, everybody had their opinion and they had their point of view they were trying to express. And I think nobody was wrong or it's not black and white. 
this right. writing or the the points of view that these characters are coming from. You know how Dutch and Potter care about Johnny, and they're each coming from their own perspectives, and they each have their reasons for needing and wanting him. Dutch and Johnny reconciling. It's just, yeah, it's beautifully, beautifully written. I really liked the conflict between Dutch and Potter in this episode, because I thought what was revealed in the, the first conversation they had after Potter got dressed in, in Dutch's jacket, which is this a, another element of her wardrobe or like warrior wardrobe transformation? I don't know. I, I liked it seemed like Potter was saying Johnny made his own decisions to get where he where, the, where he was at that point, which I think we, we see is true. We see back in episode was that episode three or so where, where he comes to get her from Big Borna and she tells him, like, walk away now. I'm going to do this thing. I don't want to get you hurt. And he chooses to stay with her. So we see that Johnny has made his own decisions, but we have Dutch kind of challenging Potter saying, I still blame you because Johnny wouldn't have said no because he is who he is. And and I thought that mm-hmm. we, we saw some really interesting stuff between how like protective Dutch is of Johnny, even though she's big on people making her own their own choices. It worries her when he makes dangerous choices because she loves him so much. Right. And it's one of those things like I feel like Dutch is valid. I mean, for one thing, Dutch is right. But Potter did specifically ask him to not tell Dutch and Davin. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as much as anything, is what Dutch has the problem with. Right. True. But do you think Dutch is like, she's big on people making their own decisions, but again, she has a real soft spot for Johnny. She's okay with most people doing it except Johnny, just because, in some situations, because she doesn't want to lose him. And I And I think, like Chris was saying, a big part of it was that she didn't, he didn't tell her. Yeah. I don't know that she 100% agreed with what he was doing, but I, I do think that if I – th- I think maybe she felt like if Johnny had come to him and come to her and said, this is really important to me, she would have been willing to help about him. It. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that is part of the problem, too, is like they went off on their own and got themselves into trouble. If they'd had the backup of Davin and Dutch, those things might not have happened. Or if they'd happened, at least they'd all be together. Mm-hmm. They'd be getting beat up together in Spring Hill. <laughs> team that plays together gets beat up together. There was also that moment when Dutch and Potter were talking where Potter reveals to Dutch that Johnny told her he maybe wanted more out of his life to being a killjoy. And you could see that really took Dutch by surprise. Right. And, you know, the hurt of him not having expressed that to her, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And I, But I think for Johnny in this episode... It feels like he's having trouble asserting himself a bit with the women in his life. He has that kind of good-natured line about, oh, this is the day when all the women in my life are telling me I can't do things, and it's not that fun. And even though he says it in a in a lighthearted way, I do think that's been a big struggle for him this season, is trying to make his own decisions, but also respect the fact that he has a lot of love for particularly Potter and Dutch. Right. I believe his actual line is something like, not as much fun as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's kind of the same. It's it's hard because it's like all these feelings are getting in the way for both Johnny and Dutch. Uh, they want to do these things to help Old Town, to help the people. Well, Johnny does, but it's like they're both so conflicted just because of their you know relationship with each other. And I'm just like, oh, makes for good drama. I like it. And I liked that it felt like the the shine kind of came off Potter a little bit for Johnny in this episode when he when she told him what she did having the people, manipulating the people essentially to running into the wall. And I, I loved that Dutch 
told him, you know, I understand where Potter is coming from. So I love that at the beginning of the episode, we see this conflict, you know, Dutch versus Potter. But then toward toward the latter part, she's saying, you know, I get it. You you may not understand why she made that decision, but I do. Right. I mean, this this whole decision, this whole moment goes back to the episode with Potter's family mm-hmm. and what her dad is saying about having to make these choices when you're in this sort of position. Actually, I guess her mom was saying that same thing, too. And so that, too, factors into Potter deciding to give up being, say, a Sims, right? Because this is part of what that entails, is having to make this sort of decision. You can tell she doesn't want to make that decision, but at the same time, she feels like she has to, you know, if she wants to accomplish her goals, so... Yeah, I'm I'm with Dutch. Like, I get it, Potter, but at the same time, it makes sense to me that idealist Johnny would not be so comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that she brought up that episode with her family because, you know, in hindsight, that's really where the big foreshadowing of her death came from, right? When she's mm-hmm. watching her mother die and her mother's telling you, you might have to become something you hate to protect the people you love, essentially. Mm-hmm. And... While she didn't exactly turn into the type of person her mother was, she did have to do these things that were really, she felt like, against her morals in order to protect the greater good, or at least intending to protect the greater good. Well, it sounds like that's something you have to do to be a, you know, a Saya or someone of that rank to to even get there is to make that kind of sacrifice and that kind of decision, whether it's from Potter being as well-intentioned or as wanting to protect the people of Westerly or from Delsea Kendry, who just seems to have gotten there by sheer ruthlessness and not as much, you know, she doesn't care so much about the people. She seems to just care about herself and hate flirting with Dutch. But after what happened to Potter, I'm yelling at my screen. I will so not ship you in Dutch anymore. <laughs> I'm mad at you, lady. I know. I know. I, I, I said before that nobody was in the right n- or in the wrong in this episode. Delsea, you were in the wrong. <laughs> you were the w- exception. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like, you kind of understand her motivations, but her actions are terrible and wrong. No, I don't understand her motivations. I just don't like her. Darn you. Well, and, you know, I, there was this moment where I thought, oh, you know, Johnny is is this idealist and Potter has gotten to the point where she can't be as idealistic as he is but ultimately it felt like she was just as naive and idealistic as Johnny because as this, as soon as Delsea showed up I just thought uh-oh be careful and right. and then Potter says don't trust her and then the, here let me hand you a knife <laughs> at that part I I wasn't saying that you know I was back to naive viewer and I'm like okay everything oh really <laughs> really any <laughs> Naive, you know that. I just like the sex. (laughs) (sighs) Going back, Stephanie, you had mentioned the fact that Potter is wearing Dutch's jacket. Mm -hmm. Symbolism? Expand on what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Because, okay, so we were sort of talking about this last episode, the, the... the the naivete of of everything they were doing we could we could go one of two different ways with potter wearing dutch's jacket or dutch's clothes in general one potter is playing dress up right putting on this facade of being the warrior essentially or where was i going with this <laughs> it's gone it's gone from my head oh, no. she had shed some of her nativity and 
Naivete. Naivete. I knew I'd say that wrong. That Potter had shed some of her naivete and was ready to make the tough choices. Like, right. Duchess. I guess that is where I'm going, right? Either she's playing pretend or she is actually attempting to adopt that mode. Right. Warrior mode. Because that was the dynamic they were trying to draw between Dutch and, and Potter, right? The fact that even though Dutch really doesn't like to kill people anymore, she tries not to unless it's in self-defense. We see her being willing to do so here with Jelko because he's sadistic and etc. He's a murderer. And so this idea that Potter putting on Dutch's clothes, maybe she is at the point where she can act like Dutch. Maybe that's what they're suggesting. Because she did. She made a hard decision and she let some people die and, you know, killed some people in order to try to affect a larger change. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as mad about Potter dying as you were, Chris, mainly because, yes, I'm I'm fatigued by, by people dying on screen where it's like, that's a great character. She didn't have to die. The main reason I was disappointed was because we just saw Potter make this really tough decision that really went against her ethics. And so now we don't get to see her deal with that. And I think that yeah, we don't get to see or live with it. Exactly. And and even though I know there's a lot to be critical of when it comes to the hundred, that's something I always really liked about the hundred in the first couple of seasons. It's these characters trying to make the best decision they can in terrible circumstances and then having to live with making those bad decisions. That's something I really enjoy watching. Which makes me right. sound perhaps a little sadistic, but <laughs> suffer. Well, but I, I feel like dramatically that is sort of the more interesting thing, right? Yeah. It's a good like, choice what is dramatically. It? Yeah. yeah. You know, if you have nothing but impossible choices, then what do you decide to do? I mean, that's, that is compelling human drama, I feel like. And, and even in extraordinary circumstances, that is something relatable, right? Yeah. Having to make those decisions, but. Yeah, it just, it's an abrupt end to her story here. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes me kind of furious. <laughs> <laughs> Except without the kind of part. I don't know why I threw that in there. <laughs> You're just furious. <laughs> Let's give our wonderful secondary character a great arc. And then because we did that, we have to kill her. It's kind of like a somewhat of a trope. Well, and it all felt so telegraphed, too, yeah. is part of it. Is they kept dropping these hints that it was going to happen. And... Then it did, and it just, I don't know. It didn't work on any level for me. But let's talk about the more lighthearted elements of this this week's episode. Like you were talking about, Annie, I thought Davin was a really nice counterpoint to the more serious stuff going on, even though he got, you know, that intense moment at the beginning with Jelko with, you know, if she bleeds, you bleed. He was great in that scene. Uh, but <laughs> He's always good in those scenes. It's just like, in that moment, Davin is all of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved seeing him have so much fun just like being a killjoy. He was a lot of fun this week. With his ridiculous lines. It's <laughs> <laughs> bigger than your asshole. I'm all, uh? Because I saw a gif of that on Twitter before I saw the episode. You gotta stop checking Twitter (laughs) before you see the episode. It was out of context. I'm all, what sweet lord's name are they talking about? Literal holes or... Bum holes, Annie. I'm gonna have to go bleep those. (laughs) Bum holes. (laughs) Anyway, the bum holes line was great. But he just seemed to be having such a blast. You know, he was back together with, with Dutch and Johnny doing a mission together. And 
I, he got a nice little action sequence. Play, playing his tunes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it was totally set up like a video game. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Yeah. They filmed it like I'm a video Call game. Call of Duty. <laughs> and of course, Lucy. We can't not mention Lucy this week. She had some great <sighs> moments. Uh, I don't wear pants. I'm a spaceship, John. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best delivery. way Tamsin McDonough delivered Live that, that line. line. Oh, yeah. That was the best. My favorite thing all episode. I think one of the be- her best lines all season. And Julian, it's on. <laughs> I'm all, yeah. Get him, Lucy. <laughs> Catty Julian was a lot of fun for seeing Johnny try to take him on. Do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> I think Jelko definitely programmed Julian. Killjoy's likes its computer is sassy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I loved I love seeing Lucy take on Julian. Oh look, your databases are so exposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> but and I also have to mention I thought Pre got a fantastic scene in this episode. I know, he only had the one scene, but it was so good. See, this is what I wanted. I wanted more of Warlord Pre, and oh, I just, I want so much more of that. And his outfit was great. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, I know, the skirt. Yeah. That's probably why I wasn't as upset about Potter's death as I might have been otherwise, because I was worried they were going to do something bad to Pre. And so when he survived, I was oh, like, God, this episode's going to be okay. Pre's alive. <laughs> but I wish he'd come back later. He only had the one scene. Maybe he could have saved Potter. <laughs> I know. <sighs> is it is it ridiculous to hope that they're going to do something drastic at the beginning of next episode? It probably well, is, everybody right? Everybody was like, they're going to turn her into a six. She can come back. I wouldn't like, want her to come her really back better? as a six. No. Yeah, I know. But I okay, running with this line, this line of thinking, if they do turn her into a six, maybe that would then be a storyline for f- figuring out like how to cure sixes. And mm, it's true, mm-hmm. you know, because that'd be real motivation for Johnny to figure out a cure for how to D6 a six. I'd be up for that. I love Sarah Power. <laughs> D6 a six. I- Reverse sixism? <laughs> there we go. I know. <laughs> just, just don't. <laughs> I just got that. It took me One a point for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Negative one for Annie, as usual. Oh. Uh, just keep her away from Davin if she's sixed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be bad. Right, good thing they're not dating anymore. That could have get awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love Sarah Power. I would love for her to come back. I know. I, I think, I mean, she was dead, dead. I, I don't know if there's any way <laughs> yeah, around <no>. it. <laughs> I would love it if it happened. It's not going to happen, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but can the green goo fix dead, dead? I don't know. That's my... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether to hope for her to come back as a six or not. I uh, I know, I know. It's it's problematic either way. I also wanted to give accolades to Stuart Hughes. He played Heron. I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. He was a really good guest star. Mm-hmm. He was a really good a-hole. I didn't like him. Oh, I, I Well, the thing is, I found him sympathetic, even though I didn't agree with his yeah. actions, which is something I appreciated. You could understand where he was coming from. Yeah, which is something I liked about how they treated all of the angry town folk out in the streets, like... Dutch didn't blame them. She was just like, you can't send a mom home. Somebody was going to die here. So I, mm. I like that they didn't try to make them villains, the people of Old Town. Right. And they brought up that guy whose name I can't remember again. Tymon. Tymon. Thank you. But they brought him up again. Mm-hmm. His memory is not, is not gone.
the Johnny and Dutch scene, which, uh some of the best acting I've seen from Aaron and Hannah in the show. That was just They had some great well lines written. in that scene, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, I want to have my Dutch and eat my potter, too, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. immediately realizing <laughs> what he said and how it sounds. <laughs> that was weirdly sexual. Whoa, we don't, we don't talk about our big girl feelings in public. I love how he instantly tries to deflect it with humor, and then it gets really serious. So, yeah. Yeah. And Dutch's response, we're not baked goods. <laughs> yeah. But then Dutch's whole thing of how she's a monster and Johnny's the only thing that keeps her from being that. I'm like, oh, it's very reminiscent of a Xena-Gabrielle conversation. But that kind of what that friendship feels like, you know, what that's what the purpose Dutch thinks that Johnny has in her life. But uh, Michelle Avretta talked in the interview afterwards of how, she, you know, she wants Dutch to really realize that it's her own self that keeps her from being that monster, not just Johnny. Yeah. That she has to give herself more credit. Yeah. And and I really enjoyed the music in this episode. The lyrics could be a bit on the nose at times, but I, l- I thought the songs were pretty, and I liked both of the, the big featured mm-hmm. ones that they used. Mm-hmm. So let's let's close up with some questions that were evoked from this episode. Why in the heck was Delsea and or the company trying to turn Westerlands into sixes? That was a big reveal in this episode. It was, but at the same time, this is exact. This is exactly what. And now I can't remember that guy's name. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible this season. I'm sorry. There's give me a hint. It's a lot of stuff going on. The guy from a couple episodes ago with the asteroid ship. Oh, uh, uh, Romwell. Thank you. That's exactly what he was talking about happening on his planet. That's true. With yeah. the aliens turning his planet into green goo slaves. Now the company's finding a way to do it on their own from within, I guess. But I can understand why they would want to enslave the Westerlands to be workers, but this idea of turning them into sixes, I'm still not entirely clear what the end game is. And obviously I think that's the point, but it's it's a little baffling as to why they would want to make these people eternal, indestructible soldiers. They just need a soldiers to build an army to take over the galaxy, I guess. I mean, is that what they're doing, or are they just making themselves some indestructible Highly suggestible workers, uh, obedient workers. Mm, Good point. I mean, mining is dangerous, right? Yeah. So wouldn't it be helpful to have indestructible or nearly indestructible workers? Good point. Mm. And they would be very strong as well. Yep. I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know that that's where this is going, but the two are not mutually exclusive. That's a good point. Thank you. We also have the element of we knew that Delsea was at least in contact and seemed to be working with Klein previously. But is he really on board with this plan? Because we had that reveal of Fancy Lee showing up at the end and essentially kind of saying, we need to work together, I think, was what he was saying with with Dutch. Or at least Klein wants to talk to you. (laughs) But I think there has also been the strong indication that somewhere between the end of season one and maybe the beginning of season two, or somewhere set in motion before that, possibly, Klein was turning against Blackroot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Blackroot came after him at the beginning of season two. Right. That was the whole thing. So it's possible that they were working together before as part of this big plan with the company and Blackroot and whatever. But Klein has since gone rogue. Maybe. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily rogue so much as maybe they just found out whatever it was that he had going on beside the thing that they thought was going on. Anyway, I don't know. But they do have the plot element of the fact that he sent that transmission from Red 17 to presumably Delsea before he blew it up. If they were no longer collaborating, why would he send her that information? Mm. 
Maybe he's trying to misdirect her. I don't know. Maybe Delsea has more going on than we think. Yeah. Cause she yeah, had- but she's still a jerky face for killing. <laughs> she had that interesting <laughs> line about how... You know, these wheels were set in motion years before we were born, which to Potter. Yeah. So this idea that she's part of a, a much larger, longer plot is, is an interesting one. Not, not surprising given that they've suggested that, you know, we see memories from presumably hundreds of years ago on Arkin. Uh, but I thought that line mm-hmm. was interesting. Well, I'm wondering if that line refers to has the company always been wanting to, has that been a plan for decades or generations to turn Everybody into sixes. Is that I mean, part maybe of the, the company is Blackroot. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Just looking forward to the finale and hoping it provides some answers and it'll probably give a bunch of new questions. But it's why I love the show. We got a tweet from Grayson saying, This was both the best and the saddest episode this season. Potter was a main character, had a great future, and hope she can be re- resurrected next season for her and Johnny. I don't know how that's going to happen, but... Unless mm. she's a six. <sighs> and then they... D6 a six first. And then they reverse sixism her. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb, but I keep saying it. <laughs> we also got an email from Sarah saying, Love your podcast. Great compliment to the show. This episode blew the rest away. Johnny Dutch friendship is so refreshing. I like that they are friends and nothing more. Don't see this a lot on TV, and it makes for good storytelling. We nope. agree. Love Josh, Dutch and Johnny. And thank you for the for the kind words about the podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We also got an email from Sci-Fi Jean saying, I predict that Potter will be brought back as a six. I, like, mm. Again, I don't know whether to root for that or not. A, love Sarah Power, want her to come back. B, six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they did turn Sabine into a somewhat sympathetic character earlier in the season. So it's not impossible. And revealed her to be a six. So yeah. No, I mean, after she was revealed to be a six, they, they made her into a, a sympathetic figure. So it's not impossible that Potter could be a sympathetic six that maybe was on the team side. But six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were saying it's a good thing she's not in a relationship with Davin anymore, but apparently sex with Davin will actually reverse the effects of, of ew, the ew. goo. So. Ew, ew. <laughs> ew, ew. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe there's some other non-sexual way to uh, to do the same thing. Anyway, I apologize, everyone. <laughs> I apologize for, for saying it. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode of Killjoys. You can send them to killjoys at askgenretv.com. We love getting voice messages, which you can send us in a couple of ways. Record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us, or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at Killjoys Podcast. We often live tweet during both the East and West Coast airings of Killjoys in the U.S. and Canada. The Quad is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. To find our other podcasts about Orphan Black, Lost Girl, and a couple other shows, visit our website, askgenretv.com. Thanks for listening. See you in the Quad.